Welcome to Cover 3 You, the college football degenerates. Another week of the college football season is in the books. We now head into week 10, and we are recording this podcast here on Monday afternoon on October 28th at about 4.16 p.m. I'm Jameson, your Hokie fan, and I am here with Pat, the Fighting Irish fan, who had a rough Saturday a little bit, but uh, how are we doing, Pat? You know, I recap my Saturday with you um, and Phil both, just on how everything went. In, in full disclosure, I wanted to let everyone know I'm also a Nationals fan. They have uh, squandered a 2 nothing, uh, <laughs> uh World Series lead. Um, so real quick, I just want to recap how my Saturday went. Uh, one, um, Michigan curb stomps Notre Dame. Uh, that was a fucking beating. Uh, they looked ill-prepared. I don't know if they... As a matter of fact, I think they need to spend some money to hire someone who looks at fucking weather forecasts. (laughs) Number two, Nats get pounded in game four of the World Series. That was eight to one, another curb stomping. Number three, in my DraftKings college football lineups, I finished 379th out of 390 people and 89th out of 92 in another one. I lost in my college fantasy football league, but all the Cover 3U uh, participants were on site in the basement here where we record this thing uh, to witness um, what a shitty night it was for me. So it was good to see everybody. Yeah, that was a rough day. Sometimes that's just how Saturdays <laughs> go, brother. Uh, we're actually without Phil, the Michigan Wolverine fan here today, which um, we didn't do that on purpose. You weren't here last week to talk about the Michigan Notre Dude, Dame game. I had game. traveled for just a shitload for work i really want more people to start listening to this so i can quit my fucking job <laughs> and then and now phil's not here for the week after the big win for his wolverines he he's now taking up he's coaching um his middle school basketball team he's gonna hopefully we'll get all cover three uh did college football degenerates back together for a podcast for a series of recordings uh here for more than just a couple weeks in a row starting next week it's just our schedules have been kind of funky but anyways yeah, that's a rough Saturday for you, man. Uh, my hoogies were on a bye, so I was here just enjoying the game, watching it with you guys. And, and you know, we were sitting here. Let's start. Let's recap last week with that game before we go into our wagers. <laughs> the final score was 45-14, to 14, Michigan. Could have been worse. And, and it could have been worse. And to your point about Notre Dame hiring somebody to just look at the weather forecast, yeah. that's summarized. We said that the whole game. It was like – like the the weather is what it is, but once again, it was like Brian Kelly is just too stubborn to adapt his offense or adjust his play calling based on things that are out of his control, like the and weather. Brian, and, and it falls on Brian Kelly. I agree, but <coughs> after the twenty sixteen disastrous year, he pretty much cleaned house. He cleaned house of coordinators, position coaches, so on and so forth, and kind of reinvented himself in a way. He does fucking yoga and shit now, but anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> So, essentially, he has turned over the offense to Chip Long, the defense to Clark Lee, and he's taken more of the CEO approach. I put a lot of it on Chip Long. Um, You don't throw in a driving rainstorm 30-plus times in a game, but, yeah, you are down. I I get that, so the second-half numbers are somewhat skewed, but the first half was when the weather was even more shitty, and they were still chucking it around the yard. And the thing is, they were running all these side-to-side plays and things like that. Go vertical. You're not going to be able to cut in that shit. I mean, it, 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 it was 
the whole game plan just boggled my mind. And, you know, a big turning point in the game in my mind. And Michigan totally outplayed Notre Dame. But the pump block in the yeah. first quarter, you know, Notre Dame would have had the ball 28-yard line going in. You know, you don't like to criticize 18- to 22-year-old kids. <laughs> really don't know what the fuck he was thinking. But, you know, we'll, we'll chalk that one up to inexperience even though he's a senior. So, yeah. anyway, continue. Yeah, he that was when you blocked it, and then he went to go – the ball went forward, so he went to go recover it. Why, I don't know. And then he ended up slipping in the rain and touching it, and then the ball became live, and, and Notre Dame – or Michigan got it. Yeah, Michigan got it, and then had 54 yards yeah. rushing on that next drive, kicked a field goal, and then that pretty much opened the floodgates. And, and kudos to Michigan, and Phil was very happy. You all contained yourselves well together in the same room, by the way. I was impressed by that. There was no uh, significant I, I, I didn't. I mean, I wasn't. There wasn't really much to say. No. I mean, it was a <laughs> fucking beating. What, what do you say? Oh, yeah. I mean. <laughs> but but Michi- kudos to Michigan for you know saying, you know what? The weather sucks. Let's strap on our big boy pants. Let's go head to head, run it up the tackles, run it up the middle, and let's see who has the better O line and let, let's run the football. And they did that. They Haskins had twenty carries for one hundred and forty nine yards. Um, Charbonnet too. Charbonnet had fifteen carries for seventy four yards. Yeah. Uh, True Wilson had six carries for forty five yards, seven and a half yards a carry in a touchdown. Shea Patterson had a bunch of yards. Shea Patterson, uh, he only had two yards, but I think they incorporate sacks yeah, and things like. Sa- yeah, there were sacks included. But in to that. Shea Patterson, he threw the ball twelve times as opposed to in books twenty five. Right. Um, and then your backup quarterback had another four passes, so it's like, what is going on? Like, why strap it up? Strap the chin straps and play it football. It reminded me a football. lot, it, except the NC State game a couple years ago in 2016. That was a monsoon. That was a monsoon. It was a damn hurricane rolling through Raleigh. And he didn't that strap it up when, then. Well, you know what, and that was Brian Kelly, all Brian Kelly on that one. You know, that was the old Deshaun Kaiser days. They had a bunch of just absolute incredible wide receivers. Again, you're in a hurricane. And they are just going shotgun five wide trying to chuck it around. They end up losing that game, one of the most poorly coached games I've ever seen. You know, I don't think there's a lot of coaches out there that can do the job that Brian Kelly's done at Notre Dame. It's a tough place to win, but that was not his best performance on Saturday night. Well, Notre Dame had didn't have one rusher rush over 15 yards against Michigan. No, I mean, they shit, they shit all crazy. down their leg the entire night. Yeah, so... Can we move on? From yeah, that? I'm sorry. <laughs> we can move on. We'll move on from the Notre Dame. Big win for Phil, though, uh, and his Wolverines, um, even though he's not here to celebrate. But uh, it's probably good to not have you guys on the same podcast. No, but, no, we love but, each other. But, yeah, it, it we went love well. We love each other. Um, so before we talk about any more games from last week, during the Week 9 uh, slate, let's recap how the wagers went. And I, I hate to break it to you, Pat, but that was probably another bad note for you. You went um, – one and six in to, your wagers. To my defense on this one this week, whenever I got the list, right, I literally had about eight minutes to look at the games, right? And I can't go into a week and not bet. I was in the middle of a, uh, of a big work thing, um, yeah, and I, yeah. I just I, I couldn't concentrate on it. No excuses, though. You know, but I've... I've just been like Notre Dame, shitting down my leg the last few yeah, weeks. That was rough, rough, rough recap for you, brother. But, you know, one in six for the week. Yeah, we didn't do that in my recap of a shitty Saturday. Either. No, we didn't. That was just I, that was just salt in the wound there, brother. Sorry. Yeah. But you went. For, I appreciate that. You, that puts you at 49 wins, 57 losses, and two pushes for the season. 
So you went from being number one to being under 500. I've, I've essentially jumped off a cliff the last three weeks. <laughs> well, don't do it literally. Please. No, no. Not, and we don't advocate for that. But I, I, I have literally just pretty much jumped into a lake with cinder blocks tied to my ankles. <laughs> Phil... Uh, was your winner last week? So somebody else won a week other than myself here lately. Phil went six and two. You're gonna make me listen to that fucking fight song at the end of this. Uh, thing too, yeah, you? I am, but he's not here to do his two minute drill, so I'm not sure what we'll talk about. Um, I don't know, but uh, Phil was your winner last week. He went six and two. That puts him at fifty and fifty nine. <laughs> so he is slowly climbing out of last place into the five hundred mark. I went five and four. So I still had a winning percentage for the week, which keeps me at a solid lead for the season here on the Cover 3U podcast at 62 wins in wagers, 45 losses, and two pushes. But Phil gets the big win last week. So a good weekend for Phil, bad weekend for you. Of course. I was just kind of chilling, drinking some beers, and, uh, you know, finished over 500 for the Side week. note, just to let everyone know, or mainly <coughs> to let you, Jameson, know, you know, when the pizza guy arrived Saturday night, his car broke down <laughs> Poured a bunch of fluid onto the driveway. All is good. The fluid's been wiped up. So anyway, we're fine. Yeah, that was an. It was kind of like an interrupt to the game while we were watching here at your place. But anyways, um, any other games you want to talk about? Let's step away from that Notre Dame Michigan game. I know you're ready to to get over it. Everything's just kind of fuzzy from this past well, weekend. Well, Oklahoma loses to Kansas yeah, State. Oklahoma, and that game was a lot closer than what it should have been. Kansas State, in my opinion, just blew the doors off of Oklahoma. It, it was a sleepy start kind of game. And then... Uh, sleepy start. Yeah. I, I'm telling you. Those of you who are betting out there, you may not want to listen to me right now because I suck. But pay attention to those 12 o'clock kicks because yeah. that's where you see a lot of these upsets. Uh, Phil uh, made a big bet against me uh, on that for Kansas State to cover. And that not only did they cover, they won the game 48-41 to against Oklahoma. Skyler Thompson went 18 of 28, 213 yards no touchdowns, but he had another uh, 40 yards rushing and four rushing touchdowns. So Skyler had a big day running the ball. Jalen Hurts didn't play bad, so it kind of makes you wonder what the heck Oklahoma was doing. They couldn't stop him. They just couldn't stop him defensively. Jalen Hurts went 395, teeter. I mean, he had another three rushing yards, almost another 100 yards they, rushing. They did have a couple of three and outs, Oklahoma did, and then Kansas State just – Subsequently went down and scored no yeah. no problem. Jack, so Jan Hurst had four total touchdowns and over almost over five hundred yards total offense. It's just like if you show me those offensive stats from Oklahoma, I would have told you Oklahoma won by twenty. This was the Oklahoma of last year, where they could score a bunch of points, but they could not stop anybody. You're absolutely right. Um and again, there's a reason college football has a playoff system now. Um it's hard to go undefeated. I don't care how good you are everybody has weaknesses mm-hmm. everybody just some are bigger than others um any other games we're talking about o- ohio state is one of those teams that i have not seen a weakness yet Dude, they you? are legit yeah they i think they're the best team in the country y- you may be right um ohio i don't even think it's close they, they I, you may be right I, they won 38 uh to 7 against wisconsin and then it's kind of like well what does that put wisconsin in your mind well, they outside of Jonathan Taylor, they really don't have anything. You know, Jack Cohn's fine. Their receivers are fine. But the way they run their offense, they're never going to be able to catch up in a game. The only way Wisconsin is ever going to be good, and I mean good consistently, is if they end up getting a lead and being able to sit on that lead. 
because mm-hmm. then they can run the ball, turn out the clock, so on and so forth. But if they have to, if they have to jump back and sling it to come back, they're not built for that. So I think. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I think Wisconsin's a top fifteen team, but I don't think they're nearly as much of a college football playoff contender as we thought because Jonathan Taylor got held to fifty two yards. Well, I mean, if you're going to play Wisconsin, what are you going to do? You know they're not going to throw yeah. the ball down the field. I mean, so you put nine nine guys yeah, in the but box. We're talking and... about Cephas coming out of that. Well, he was suspended and yeah. and at wideout, and he had a decent day. So you know they had some weapons offensively uh, from from a receiving standpoint. But you're right. It, that was that's kind of their go to in, in in Jonathan Taylor. And when and you play a team like Ohio State, they're they just don't gonna... spread it out and and stretch a defense like yeah. that. You know their their offense is really built on like a late eighties kind of. You know, let's muck it up a little bit, and then, hey, let's try and complete some play-action passes. Their play-action game doesn't work when they're not running the ball. So, But anywho, I, the point, our point is, is Ohio State's really freaking good, as much as I hate to say it. Them and Alabama are probably the only couple of teams that, I, that I've seen that I haven't really seen a, a weakness that really sticks out. Um, a, game, a random game I want to talk about. Did you watch the North Carolina-Duke game at all, a little bit? I watched Probably not. Maybe about twenty four seconds of that game. <laughs> I, 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 I was watching a little bit, but I, I saw this mostly in the highlights. There was two. Each team had a turnover towards the end of the game inside the two yard line. So hmm. there's literally like seven point swings that happened on a diamond. And North Carolina ended up winning the game, which continues to make the ACC coastal one big mess. Uh, yeah, Duke had a chance to win the game inside the two. They throw the ball on like a little screen pass, and it was intercepted. On the two-yard line. And so they blew that. North Carolina had a chance to put it away at one point towards the end of the game, and they ended up uh, doing a dive from the three-yard line and fumbled the ball there. So it was just weird. I've never seen both teams fumble the ball inside the opponent's two-yard line like that to, yeah. to lose points. But um, any other games you want to talk about? Clemson dominated. They, uh, I don't know if Clemson has much of a weakness. Um, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Eh, it's hard to tell, but they're they're taking care of business. I, I they think... got they got a really tough matchup this week with Wofford. Yeah, that, that's a bad <laughs> matchup. They're doing they're taking a play at SEC's book, playing this weak opponent, weak FCS opponent in November. They played two FCS games in a shitty ACC. Um, I, I'm going to talk about the ACC a little bit. I'm not saying just because Texas in it. Yes, ACC is not that strong, but they're not as just because they beat up on each other doesn't mean they're as bad as you think. Um, don't get me wrong, they're no Big Ten or SEC, but um, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of teams in the ACC who I think you can upset some, who can upset a Wisconsin or even maybe a Michigan, maybe. I don't know. but um, I know. would put the ACC as number five out of the Power Five leagues. Mm, probably, yes. But, again, I, I, mean, I wish Clemson. the ACC played more out of Power Five teams, and they haven't done that this year. It's going to be interesting interesting to see what they do during bowl season. And bowl games are hard to gauge because the way, the way it works anymore is so many damn players sit, you know, So and what teams really want to be in these certain bowls. You never really know. But, yeah, I mean, you, you match up Power 5 teams and from different conferences, and it's entertaining for sure. But I don't, I don't necessarily gauge too much on bowl season. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, I do because you are stepping out of your conference and you're playing you're playing uh, somebody out of your conference, and that's the only time you really get to see those, you know, a top team from another conference play another top team from another conference. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, In the top opinion. games, you know, I, I kind of wish 
you, you get rid of all these FCS games that people play, and let's start playing some real home-at-home series with people. And I think we might see that down the road. It's getting there. Uh, but uh, Minnesota stays unbeaten. Um, you know, those are the only uh, games I want to talk about. Minnesota take care of, took care of business against Maryland. Indiana, um, you got doubled up with Indiana covering against Nebraska there. That was uh, a stupid. And Utah, Utah is, is back into the play of things. I'm telling you, Oregon and Utah can play themselves into the college football playoff now. They really can. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pac-12 is in this thing. So, um, anyways. We'll that take... opened up a lot with that Oklahoma loss. <coughs> it helped out the Pac-12 sure. enormously. Sure. And, you know, after Oklahoma lost, Notre Dame was kind of licking their chops a little bit to get in. And, and then they, they shit down their legs. And then they shit down their legs. So. We'll take a quick break. We kind of ran over here on uh, recapping last week, but you could tell there's a lot of uh, – Venting from Pat's in, he needed to get off his uh, chest here. Very therapeutic. Very therapeutic, I'm glad. You know, maybe it wouldn't have been as much of a venting process for you if we did this Tuesday or Wednesday to let you digress a little bit. So I think you're still a little little high and tight here. But uh, we'll take a short break, and we'll start placing bets. How do you feel about that, Pat? It sounds like a plan. All right, here on Cover 3U, the college football degenerates. Okay, welcome back to Cover 3U, the college football degenerates. We're ready to supply, uh, play some wagers here on Week 10 of the college football slate. And we're starting off with a Thursday night matchup. Um, a good one, I think. I All, agree. Uh, you know, just a good power five game. West Virginia goes to Baylor. Baylor remains undefeated, 12th in the country. Um, and they're favored by 17 and a half against a West Virginia team that has a little bit of uh, quarterback issues and a coaching transition going mm-hmm. on. But uh, what do you think, Pat? Who do you like in that game? Well, I know Phil likes Baylor. We'll go ahead and get that out of the way. Phil likes Baylor to cover the 17.5 points. He's willing to give up 17.5. What do you think? That's a big number. It is, uh, it is big. It, 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 I'm almost tempted to take West Virginia. It's a Thursday night game, short week. Um, and you know what? Baylor's probably one of their, the, the teams that is undefeated right now. Mm-hmm. During the top 12. They're, they're bound to, to drop one of these. You you just think they're an undefeated – out of all the undefeated teams, they're like one of the undefeated teams everybody's waiting to lose. Mm-hmm. But I like Baylor. You like Baylor? I like Baylor. And here's my number one reason why. At quarterback for Baylor, you got Charlie Brewer. You know who Charlie Brewer is? Oh, yeah. Brother of Michael Brewer, Brewer who played at Virginia Tech um, – he transferred from Texas Tech to Virginia Tech, and that dude was – he was an okay quarterback. He was a little guy, but, man, he had grit. He played hard, hard-nosed football. And um, you don't see college football's college football players play like that much anymore. And Charlie Brewer is a little similar as far as that gritness goes, but he's a lot better statistically. Um, he's putting up a lot better numbers than his brother. And Baylor did. has one of the better defenses in the Big 12 outside of maybe Iowa oh. State. I think Iowa State has the best defense in the Big 12. Yeah. I think Baylor's a, a very close second. Charlie Brewer. I'm stay away from Oh, come game. on. Take West Virginia. Dude, I have just sucked recently, <laughs> and I don't feel comfortable about this game. I like old Charlie Brewer to put up a big day against the Mountaineers. The Mountaineers defense hasn't looked 
that great. They've given up. They haven't. They don't. They don't do all that. Yeah, well. they, they, they don't do anything. They give up over four hundred yards a game. However, their passing uh, defense is two thirty a game, and their rushing defense is one eighty a game, one seventy eight a game. But Charlie Brewer is almost at two thousand yards and twelve touchdowns. Look out! Look out for him to have a big day. But we we don't have any action as much as I love to put money on against the Mountaineers. Um. We don't have action. You sure you don't want him? Yeah, I'm betting with my heart. That's a or betting with my head. This that's week. a good. And no I'm not. Then. You know, I have a chance to think. Would you about say this it's a lock? No, I say it's a lock. I don't say it's a lock. F West Virginia. All right, <laughs> uh, moving on. Phil's team, the Wolverines, takes on Maryland. Did he have any action on this game? Uh, he likes Michigan to cover the 18, 18 and a half. 18 and a half. Maryland has just gotten their shit pushed in the last <laughs> few they, weeks. Dude. There is no way I would take the Terps. It's essentially going to be – the game is in College Park, but it's going to be a home game for Michigan because they don't show up for those games. I either. don't know who's looked – who has gotten embarrassed more defensively right now, Rutgers or Maryland. I mean, both of those teams out of the Big Ten are absolute dog shit. Um everybody's putting up points against Maryland right now. I think Michigan covers easily as well. And you know Michigan's high right now. Yeah, but do they do they have a little bit of a letdown this week? I don't think it matters because I think Maryland's that fucking terrible. We could put together our sport and social club flag football team against Maryland and get at least 13 points. I'd sling it around the yard. Yeah, we would get 13 points. I'm telling you, they've given up 59, 48 no, excuse me. They've they given up 59, 40, 34, and 52 in their last four losses. But, in fact, their only win in the last five games was against Rutgers. So, But both those teams are, are doo-doo. No action there. NC State goes to Wake Forest. I love it when you put the ACC games on here. I do that for you, Jameson. Thanks, buddy. The Wolfpack go to the Demon Dinkins, who, you know, was undefeated for a while, was looking like the only ACC, other ACC team other than Clemson that was kind of relevant, really, from the uh, national scheme of things. Um, they are favored by only seven and a half against the Wolfpack, a team that was supposed to be the Wake Forest this year. They were supposed to team head and be the team heading in the right direction and be a team that could, you know, maybe put up a fight against Clemson in that division. But it's actually Wake. NC State has struggled. Yeah. Um, Wake's currently ranked 23rd in the country with all those weapons and Surratt and Cade Carney. Who do you like there? Do you like, I like Wake? Wake? I like Wake too. No, nothing out of Phil. Nothing out of Phil. Well, let's just move on. Um, I, I tell you what, I think NC State, I think, is it O'Brien, the coach there? Mm-hmm. I think he's lost that team. Um, so that's or just Dave me. Dorn. Dave Dorn. Dave Dorn, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Thank I, you. I had a little bit of a brain fart. Yeah. All these coaches' names get mixed up sometimes. But moving on, no action. Another team that I think. The coaches have kind of lost them or just way overrated to enter the season. Come to find out, Adrian Martinez is out for the year for Nebraska. They go to Purdue. At least I hear he's potentially out for the uh, year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's out. Um, they go uh, to Purdue, but they're favored by two. Purdue has their own injury issues. Is um, Do they have some of those key players back for Purdue yet, or do you know? Uh, I am searching that right now. Um, I do not believe – I'm – no, I don't think they're back, but I still think Purdue wins the game outright. Jake Plummer is still um, – uh, or Jack Plummer, sorry, is still the backup quarterback for Purdue. He's still starting at QB. Um, if you can give me information if Rondell Moore is playing or not, if he's playing, I'll take Purdue. I'll take Purdue no matter what. I, I can't find anything on this. All right, well, maybe we'll circle back around to that. 
Um, I've heard he's been like questionable every week, week to week. So that would be a key thing to look out for that game. Maybe we can find out during our next intermission and see if we can get some paper on that. Boston College, who just absolutely got taken to the woodshed by Clemson. They're without their quarterback for the year. And even though A.J. Dillon broke a career record at Boston College in rushing against Clemson, he can't do it all. Um, he did uh, put up some good numbers. You know, he's probably one of the greatest running backs ever played for that school. But they go to Syracuse, who's struggling themselves, and Syracuse is favored by two and a half. What do you think? Uh, Phil's got Boston College. I'm on the fence big time on this one. Yeah? I'm going to go with Syracuse. Mm. You know, not having Brown at quarterback is big. I don't think A.J. Dillon can do it all. But um, you know what? Give me Boston College as well. We'll double up on you there. We got some paper for the first time. And uh, I'll take Boston College because I do think A.J. Dillon will have a big game in the Carrier Dome. We'll move on to the next week. Um, kind of an interesting ACC game that doesn't really mean anything. A Akron at Bowling Green. We got to talk about Bowling Green. Um, They're favorite. <laughs> I see that. Bowling Green's favorite by six. Give me the zips. <laughs> you know the reasons. Everyone yeah. who listens to this knows the reasons. <clears throat> yeah, uh... You know, only we've only taken Bowling Green twice on this podcast. Phil took him once, mm -hmm. and it bit him in the ass. I took him last week to cover against uh, Western Michigan. Against Western Michigan, and and I, 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 I paid the price for that. Yeah, I'm not taking Bowling Green. <laughs> I'm not. I I said I, I said last week I'll take Bowling Green this once one time, and if it doesn't pan out, I'm not taking him again. So uh, no action. I don't care how much they're favored by or who they play at this point. Georgia goes to Florida. The biggest cocktail party of them all, baby, in Jacksonville. Big game. Really big game. And I'm interested to see what you have to say about this game because Georgia's favored by four and a half. It's a very interesting line. Um, Georgia had the week off last week. I'm pretty sure Florida did as well. Um, did they both have the week off? Uh, Georgia had the week all. Or no, they played South Carolina and oh. they won thirty-eight to twenty-seven, which is a is a solid little win, especially considering South Carolina has beaten Georgia this year. That's Georgia's only loss for the season. So Florida played South Carolina. Yes, correct. Sorry, okay. Florida played South Carolina, beat them. Something that Georgia could not do. Give me Florida and G the four and a half. Give points. me the Bulldogs. I, I think. I think Georgia's up there with, with LSU and Auburn and Alabama still. Um, I think Georgia covers. Give me Swift to have a big day. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Who won that game last year? Do you know? Georgia. Yeah, I think they've won it majority of the time here lately uh, in the past years. Florida's defense is legit. Absolute legit. Yeah, I just don't think – they, they're going to be able to contain Swift for four quarters. Um, he's creeping up on 800 yards for the year. Um, I, I think Georgia wins by, by 10, if you want me to be honest. So we got paper. Kansas State at Kansas. Very interesting game. Kansas has just been putting up a shitload of points these last Kansas week. is on the rise under less. Him eating those uh, grass smoothies on the sidelines, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then you have Kansas State, who just had a huge win over Oklahoma. 
a little bit of a rivalry game. Not a little bit of a rivalry game. These two hate each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kansas State's favored by six. And I don't know. I, I don't think Kansas State's done that much outside of the Oklahoma win, given that was a very good win. But Oklahoma's defense has been very right, suspect look, this year. So, so what's your take? Phil has Kansas State. Um, he has Skyler and Kansas State. Skyler. And Kansas State was legit last week, and they were very, very good. They, they absolutely dominated Oklahoma. Um, but I think they're going to have a little bit of a letdown this week. Give me the Jayhawks to cover the six points. Yeah, give me the Jayhawks as well. I, I like – I just think there's better coaching over there right now. Um, Les has done a good job adjusting his game plan from opponent to opponent with those grass smoothies. Give me the green smoothie. All right, me too. Double paper. Double paper on Phil. All right, let's talk about Miami at Florida State. Two teams that, you know, have been down lately. They're supposed to be carrying the ACC to some degree. Florida State's favored by four and a half. Miami has a big win over Pitt. Uh, ACC Coastal is just a mess. Um, I like Miami to win this football game uh, strictly on on talent and coaching. How that talent's being handled there in Miami is a lot better than Florida State, in my opinion. What do you think? This game's at Florida State. Yep. Florida State is eh, kind of just going by about their business. They're not. They're not any good. Miami's not any good. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil has Miami. And what is the spread on this one again? It's we have we have four and a half. It's gone up to five, but we are placing our bets based on what we had on paper when it, when they came out, which is four and a half and. Another unique thing about this game, both teams have been switching out quarterbacks left and right. I feel like neither team has really found the quarterback they want to play permanently. Um, I'll, which take, is, I'll take Florida State in four and a half points. Yeah, I think I, Cam Akers is going to be able to run all over Miami. I think it's going to be a fun rivalry game to watch. I really do. Um, I think Florida State has shown some signs of promise. I think Miami has too. I think they just need to get it together from a play calling. and. Um, Actually, I'm giving up four and a half points Miami yeah you, you guys will get four and a half correct Florida State's favorite and some notable wins for Florida State while they haven't looked that great they did beat Louisville who's trending in the right direction that's a well-coached team they beat mm-hmm. they beat NC State who was supposed to be relative this year and then Miami just came off a big win against Pitt so you know if Miami wants to be included in the ACC coastal craziness they have to win this game um, so I think it's going to be a good game. I'm look, we won't be able to watch it because you and I will be in South Bend, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later, um, hopefully. <laughs> we'll be able to catch the end of it uh, from the TV there at the uh, tailgate. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll turn it on the tube and watch it. Um, let's cover one more game before we take our first intermission here from our wagers. Uh, TCU goes to Oklahoma State, um, and Oklahoma State's favored by three and a half. Big 12 matchup here. Oklahoma State has a really good run-to-pass ratio going on this season. They have a great running back in Hubbard. Um, Who do you got? Phil has TCU. I will take Oklahoma State. Okay. Give me – TCU's defense is pretty good. It is. 
It's really good. Um, out of the Big 12, they're probably up there with with maybe... Oh, man. Give me... Uh, give me Oklahoma State, who just had a big win against Iowa State. I need to remind you, 34-27, to 27, and Iowa State was looking good. Um, in fact, I think that was a game... Some of us were predicting last week that uh, Oklahoma State could win. Mm-hmm. So uh, give me Oklahoma State as well. All right. We doubled up Phil. Yep. Yep. And the only thing I'm worried about is for, for Chubba Hubbard, for Oklahoma State, is that this TCU defense is only allowing over just over 100 yards per game in rushing. So that could be a challenge for him. We'll see how it, how it turns out. All right, we'll take a quick break here at Cover 3U, the college football degenerates, and we'll cover some more games here in the Week 10 slate of games, including the big Virginia Tech versus Notre Dame game that me, Pat and I will be attending in South Bend. So we'll be right back here on Cover 3U, the college football degenerates. Okay, we're back here on the Cover 3U college football degenerates podcast. Uh one note I wanted to go back to on that NC State Wake Forest game, Pat. None of us took NC State. We all think Wake's going to cover that game. Uh-huh. Here's another reason why our listeners should probably think that may be a lock. Uh, NC State's turning to their third quarterback for the year. They are starting a uh, redshirt freshman, Devin Leary, to start against Wake Forest. So, Never heard of that guy before. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman. It looks like, um, you know. This is the third quarterback they're going to be playing this year So for NC State. So I think Wake's actually going to cover pretty easily knowing that. Um, you could just tell NC State's kind of scrambling for answers right now mm-hmm. offensively if they're going through their third quarterback um, without any injuries. This is just something they feel like they have to do. We got Utah at Washington. Utah making that great comeback during the season after losing to USC to make its claim to a Pac-12 title this year. Um, who do you got in that game? Right now, Utah's only favored by three. Yeah. Although I love Washington's quarterback, Jacob Eason. Um, he's close to 2,000 yards for the year, 16 touchdowns. Um, I, I like I like Washington's quarterback a lot. I don't think they can get it done against Utah. I don't think so either. Phil has Utah. I've I'm also on the Utah bandwagon right now. I yeah, they. The Utes. I'm back. I'm as high on Utah as I was now as I was on week one, week two before they lost to USC. They're only giving up 56 rushing yards a game. Yeah, that's by far the best defense in the Pac-12, maybe the best defense the Pac-12's ever seen, Mm -hmm. in my mind. You don't see defenses like that in the Pac-12, so I would say it's a lock. Yeah, I would agree. Although I do love some Jacob Eason, um, former Georgia quarterback, uh, playing for Washington. He can sling it. So no action there. Not a lot of bets being thrown out. It's a weird week. It's a weird week. I don't mind because I got a big lead on you, chumps. Um, I'm up to like 17 wins over you guys. So probably more than that because you're both in the losing, loser's column. So you guys better start placing some bets if you ever want to catch up. <laughs> Pitt at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's favored by eight. Um, that's interesting. Is that a typo? Hold on one second. You did not. That has to be a typo. 
There's no uh, way. Pitt's favored by eight. Yeah, that is a typo. I was about to say, there's no way Georgia Tech's favored by eight. Yeah, that's a typo. My bad. I was about to say, give me Pitt all day. In fact, give me Pitt regardless. I agree. Pitt. Um, did Phil like anybody in that game? Pitt. Ah, oh, jeez. Although, man. Although I wouldn't make him commit to that since I fucked up on my typing. It's the ACC Coastal, baby. It is a mess. It is a mess. There's not one team in the Coastal that has less than two conference losses. Um, I will personally be pulling for Georgia Tech to get Pitt down lower in the standings, but so my Hokies are in better position. But uh, I think they're going to cover here easily. Uh, Ole Miss goes to Auburn. Auburn is favored by 18.5 points. Who do you got? Let's see. I'll look at Phil's sheet. He does not have anybody. I think that uh, Ole Miss is going to cover here. Yeah? Yeah. Any reason why? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think Auburn's really good. Um, I think you're starting to see that Bo Nix is a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's making a bunch of mistakes out there. He made a bunch of mistakes against LSU. Um, that was a fairly competitive game for a while. I think Auburn's defense is for real. Um, but now that Auburn has two losses, not really sure what their mindset's going to be, if they're going to want to continue to fight the rest of the season or if they're just saying screw it. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the relationship is with Gus Malzahn and those players, but uh, I would take Ole Miss to cover the 18 and a half. Give me Auburn. Um, I think Ole Miss is, you know – Crying call all year has been the running back, Scotty Phillips, who is supposed to be, you know, he has been awful, but he has not met the potential that they had uh, there at Ole Miss. Um, He only has 538 rushing yards, five touchdowns. He's averaging 4.3 a carry, which isn't a bad uh, per rush carry rate, but they thought it was going to be a lot higher there at Ole Mm -hmm. Miss. They, They were relying on him to carry the load offensively, and he hasn't done it. In fact, he hasn't had one game over 100 yards rushing, which is just amazing to me. I mean, I drafted him in my fantasy team thinking he was going to have a big, big year, um, and he has not. So give me Auburn. Um, I think Auburn's really going to turn it around here and, and show them why they're the 11th-ranked team in the country. So We got paper. We got paper. SMU at Memphis. College game day is going there, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Two ranked teams. Get out of the Power Five a little bit. I, I'm – I'm all for that, for ESPN to do that. Some people were kind of mad. I love their South Dakota State show this past weekend. That's really cool to see. I yeah. like seeing those other schools and getting them the exposure that they Yeah, deserve. I don't know about going down to the F- FCS level, but sure. I, getting out of the Power Five conferences I think is cool, especially when you have two ranked teams. A lot of people are giving them grief for not going to Georgia and Florida. But this is a big game for SMU. Um, you know, SMU is finally coming out of the uh, the basement of that death penalty they had years ago and they're undefeated um they had a bit of a scare against houston last week i watched a good bit of that game Mm -hmm. um you know their defense was certainly susceptible shane bouchelle um has been fantastic for smu um phil does not have anything on this game but i would take the mustangs of smu yeah i i want to put some paper on this game just because I, i do think it's a Big college football game outside the Power Five. You got the 15th ranked Mustangs going to the 24th ranked Tigers. Um, you know, nothing really jumps out to me when you look at it, look at this game on paper. 
Um, you know, both teams are known to, to, to score some points, uh, to put up some yards. They're both averaging over 450 total yards a game. SMU's averaging over 500. Uh, the question is, do I want to take Memphis just for the sake of placing a bet? And I will. Okay. And here's the only reason why, A, I want some action. Okay? We all mm-hmm. like action, Pat. Of course. Especially on a Saturday. Um, and then, two, it's at Memphis. That place is going to be probably the most – amped it's ever been the mm-hmm. liberty bowl is going to be more amped it's ever been in a long time and i think smu is carrying a lot of pressure on them and i think that showed last week in that scare against houston where they only won about by a field goal and houston's not houston's a team that is they've pretty much given up on this season yeah yeah houston they've given up on, they're and not, i think smu saw that uh i think smu is gonna the What's the over-under on this game? Do you have, a, do you have that? I don't have it. Right, uh, no, I don't have it right in front of me. But I just th- feel like SMU has a lot of pressure now that they're 8-0. You know, when you're undefeated this late in the season, there's a lot of pressure, especially going on the road, game day game. Yep. And Memphis is not a bad team. They no. can put up points. Um, I'm worried about their defense. But, yeah. SMU got away from a, a a Houston team that is not playing for their coaches. Uh-huh. I can tell you that. They're, they got players who are redshirting just because they don't want to play for that team anymore. It's it's weird what's going on in Houston. So well, the fact I that, actually think it's kind of a savvy move by Dana Holgerson. You know, he sat down with a certain group of players and said, "Hey, you either in or out." No, what he said was, "All right, you you have the choice here. You can redshirt the rest of this year after the fourth game, come back and play for Houston, and a lot of them are." who have redshirted, but then what does that do to the psyche of the rest of the team? You know, saying, oh, well, am I not good enough to, to redshirt this year, so on and so forth? But anyway, I thought it was a little bit of a savvy move by Dana to do that, kind of yeah, looking you, for a loophole in the rules to, yeah. you know, get Eric King back for another year. Um, whenever he has a chance to even get a little I bit more. I heard King is, did that because he's interested in entering the transfer porter, which will give him another year of eligibility. So there's rumors flying around yeah. of why he redshirted. I think uh, I, I would actually put a, a dollar on that he comes back and is a Houston quarterback next year. That would be interesting. I mean, a dollar. I'll take a dollar. All right. that, just, just from what I heard, I mean, nobody really knows unless you're in the locker room. Right. But if he did do that in an in, in effort to – salvage as many years out of his players as possible as he takes over a new program, um, then that is a savvy move by, by Coach Dana. But something that maybe Frente could have done because Frente is kind of seeing the trials and tribulations of um, having young players year in and year out and not being able to redshirt players. Some The biggest thing, and I don't want to get too far into Virginia Tech, but one of Virginia Tech's burdens is is they're trying to hold on to this bowl streak and they're trying to hold on to this streak against UVA, sort of an effort to do that. They're not redshirting players, and they're playing their best players right away just to salvage season by season. But in the long run, that tends to, to hurt you. But, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, we don't really know what's going on in Houston, but it, it's interesting that there is a lot of players redshirting. But I think for that reason, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on SMU, back to my point. Um, and I don't think they're going to get away from this environment. So it should be a good game. Yeah, I'm looking, looking forward, forward to, to it. it. I don't mind spending time talking about that game either. Uh, step out of the Power Five a little bit. College football at its finest. Uh, Cincinnati at East Carolina. Cincinnati's favored by 22.5. East Carolina, man, they haven't been relevant for a long time. And they used to be a team that could, you know, make they a They could li- sneak up and bite you every now and again. Um, 
I don't even know anything really about East Carolina, so I'm going to stay away from this game. Uh, Phil has Cincinnati. He's kind of liked Cincinnati all yeah. year. Um, they are ranked to 17th in the country. They Cincinnati did, is a damn good team. Luke Fickle's doing a good job there. Uh, they beat Central Florida. Uh-huh. Uh, they did take it to the chin by Ohio State, but who hasn't? Right. Everybody's getting their ass whooped by Ohio State. Um, 22 and a half. I like... I like Cincinnati too. Yeah, it's a big number, but yeah, I would, I would lean Cincinnati. Just East East Carolina is just awful. Um, shoot, they can't even keep the lights on in their own stadium. They right. had one game where the lights went out in the last two minutes. So I don't know if somebody forgot to pay the power bill or what over <laughs> there. But um, I forget what game that was, but it was a big delay. It was like a Thursday night game. Moving on, no action. UAB at Tennessee. Tennessee trying to slowly save their season after a rough start. Uh, they welcome the UAB Blazers, who at one point almost didn't have a football team anymore. Uh, they're favored by 10. Do you think the Volunteers can cover the 10 points? No. Give me UAB. Phil's U- got Tennessee. UAB 6-1. and one. Yeah, UAB's a good program. They're yeah. doing a heck of a job. Yeah, I mean they've um, they don't have any notable wins, but you know they're winning by a couple possessions almost for every game. The only loss was to Western Kentucky. Uh, give me UAB too. All right, I just because I don't think you know Tennessee lost to Florida by thirty one last week. They lost by over thirty to Georgia. Those are good programs, but again, we also know some of the other losses they've had. So give me UAB to cover too. Cool. Double paper on that game. I wrote that down. Just because I was feeling pretty, pretty confident about the Blazers this week. Yeah. That not like... only are they going to cover, but I think they might win outright. Okay. Interesting. If their quarterback can quit throwing interceptions, he's thrown 10 picks this year. So that's a concern. Yeah. Um, Fuck it. I'm not worried about that. Screw it. <laughs> Sling it, baby. Uh, UVA, uh, after a tough beat against Louisville, a speedy Louisville team, they go to UNC. UNC is favored by two and a half after a crazy game against Duke. They 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 just win barely after some crazy turnovers by both sides. UVA, meanwhile, I think there's enough game tape out there for UVA, unfortunately, to where everybody's really exposing that one big weakness, and that is their offensive line and their rushing game. And they've just been decimated by injuries, too. Yeah, per, yeah. well, Bryce Hall's out for the year defensively. That's That's a tough loss for them. Perkins is probably going to be a little bit hobbled this week. He can't do it all, man. Yeah. He can't. He's a great player. Great player. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC for sure, probably in college football. But, man, he cannot do it all. He can't. And um, I would probably lean UNC to win and cover the two and a half. You know, and I think UVA is really good. I think they lost a big player in Bryce Hall. And I just think their weaknesses have been exposed and for a team like UNC, who's on the rise, in my opinion, under Mac Brown, I'm I'm going as far as saying that in my mind, North Carolina's probably, even though as crazy as the coastal is, I think they're probably the favorite to win the coastal, in my opinion. Um, I would agree. They just seem like they got they don't got one big weakness that sticks out. They just got a little and bit defensively. They they got a little holes, bit of here and but... there, but you know what I mean. Nothing that really jumps out on paper that that opposing teams can attack. Um, like they can against UVA. I mean, if I was a defense against UVA, I would just dare you to try to run the ball on me. But, uh, yeah, give me UNC. I think it's going to be a good game. I wouldn't be surprised if UVA wins. Does Phil doesn't have anything on that one. We can, we can move on. All right, moving on. 
Should be a good game, though. I think this is a big game for both teams and the Coastal. So while the Coastal is crazy, it's kind of fun to watch teams in that division because you never know what's going to happen. Um, if UVA wins that game, they're right not. They control their own destiny in that, in that division. Uh, Oregon at USC. Oregon is five-point favorites uh, against the Trojans. Who do you like? Um, I think we both agree Utah and Oregon's the favorites in the Pac-12 right now. Is- extremely good um i think their defense is out of sight good um yeah they had they got exposed a little bit by washington uh in that game a couple weeks ago but this line is interesting to me um because i think usc is pretty good as well and i also believe that those players are really fighting for clay helton um Phil likes Oregon. I will go USC. I think we might have an upset on our hands here. Well, uh, to my point, Oregon and and Utah is the favorites to win the conference. But if there's one other team that can sneak up in this conference on anybody on any Saturday, it's USC. I mean, they've already beaten Utah. Right. And now if they win this game, you're looking at USC being the favorite in the Pac-12. So at least I think in the Pac-12 South. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think uh, USC is more than capable of winning this football game. Um, they're throwing the ball around pretty well. Uh, both teams are averaging over thirty points a game, which is pretty standard in the Pac-12. Um, five points. Huh? I think it's going to be a close game. I think Oregon wins by a field goal. Give me Trojans to stay within five. We're doubling up Phil on that one. That's an interesting game right there. I can't wait to watch that one. In, Eight o'clock the, kick. Uh, from the Finley confines of the uh, Baymont Inn by Wyndham in uh, Mishawaka, Indiana. When we go there, is there like a sports bar nearby? We need to look into oh, that. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of places right there. Yeah. Cool. So... We'll be watching that from from a sports bar in South Bend, <laughs> baby. Uh, hopefully after the Hokies compete, at least. Um, moving on to the final game before we take one break, before we talk about the uh, Virginia Tech-Notre Dame game, which is a game that we – our first Cover 3U live appearance by two Cover 3U college football degenerates. Well, we went to the Notre Dame-Virginia Tech game last we, year. but we, Since recording this yes, podcast. Right. We'll yeah. be there together. So – um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this game first. Colorado, UCLA. UCLA is favored by five and a half. Do you have any action? Does Phil have any action? Uh, Phil does not. I'm not taking this game. Yeah. Both teams are crazy in my mind. Yeah, so uh, no action on Colorado versus UCLA. Those teams are kind of a mess. But uh, we'll take a quick break here on Cover 3U, the college football degenerates, and we'll talk about the final game. Virginia Tech got Notre Dame, Notre Dame, which both Pat and I will be there in attendance. And we'll go into Phil's two-minute drill, but since he's not here, we'll just uh, give him some props and, you know, play Michigan's fight song just to please him. But uh, maybe he can give us his two-minute drill next week. Uh, Maybe we'll take a little longer on this Notre Dame game uh, and Virginia Tech game here on Cover 3U. Okay, we're back here at Cover 3U, the college football degenerates, to talk about the final game. It's a 2.30 kick at South Bend. My Virginia Tech Hoagies uh, take on... Pats fighting Irish. Uh, fighting Irish coming off a, a big loss. Um, however, they are more than a capable team <laughs> to beat my hoagies. I can tell you that. It's interesting. The spread came out, Pat, at 16 or 16 and a half. It's already jumped up to 17 and a half, which mm-hmm. I think is, is interesting. But I'll let you start. What do you think 
of the spread for Warren, and what do you think are some of the key things that Notre Dame needs to do to cover or at least win the game? Well, a couple of things. For one, I mean, they're going to be, you know, Virginia Tech's going to have the dual threat a little bit more so than what they have with Ryan Willis, whether it be Patterson or Hooker, whoever's in there uh, playing quarterback on Saturday. And um, that has given Notre Dame a little bit of trouble, uh, the dual threat quarterback that is. But if they can contain um, the quarterback and be able to get after him, um, I could see this being a, a fairly wide margin of victory. I do not trust Notre Dame's offense whatsoever. Um, I am highly concerned with Ian Book. Um, his, it, it, it's not that he is bad at throwing the deep ball. He's just not willing to do it. And I think that's, an, that's a mental thing, um, which I, I don't know if he's going to be able to overcome, uh, whether it be this year or if he comes back for his fifth year next year. Um, line at 17 and a half, I would not with any ounce of intelligence take Notre Dame at this point to cover that spread. Yeah. I, I like Virginia tech to keep it within 70 and a half, but I wonder how much of that is me being a Hokie fan, but I think Notre Dame is more than capable of beating Virginia tech by 20. Um, Hendon hooker is expected to start. Uh, over Quincy Patterson, I think I think it's it's fair to say Ryan Willis is is out of the mix for quarterback at Virginia Tech. While he can throw the fade well and and throw the deep ball relatively good, um, well, I, I don't think that's what Virginia Tech needs right now. Um, ever since they made that quarterback change against Miami after they started two and two, it's been a totally different team, and I think that's what makes it hard for Notre Dame and favors Virginia Tech. The game tape you have on Virginia Tech's offense. The first four weeks is completely different than the game tape they've been running uh, during this three-game winning streak uh, with Hendon Hooker or with Quincy Patterson when Hendon Hooker got hurt halfway through the UNC game in that thrilling 6-0-T victory. Quincy Patterson, who is just a hoss, mm-hmm. he's a big boy, can run the ball, and he can run it hard. Um, so I think Hendon's the best option we have because he can throw, roll out, and he can have that wiggle run. Uh, to advance the ball, but Patterson, you know, he, he, he didn't throw the ball very much in high school, if at all. Um, there's some crazy stat. He threw it like a fraction amount of times in high school. So he's not the best thrower, although he did sh- show some signs to throw the fade ball. I think Virginia Tech's challenge here is going to, of course, limit the turnovers. They don't respond well to adversity with turnovers, although they did lose a turnover matchup against UNC. Um, I think it is pivotal to not turn the ball over against a team like Notre Dame. Because Notre Dame covered that spread against UVA. I think the spread was like 13. They won by 15, and that was with five turnovers in the second half, right? Yeah, I mean, it, that particular game, I mean, they got the running game going. But again, the vertical passing game is not there for whatever reason this year. Yeah, they're young at receiver. Uh, they got Claypool, Komet. Uh, Komet didn't play in that UVA game. Um, actually, yeah, check that. He did play in the UVA game, but... Um, UVA did a good job bracketing him and, and making him somewhat ineffective in the passing game. You know, I, I feel like Virginia Tech's – it's almost like a lesser of two evils. I feel like Virginia Tech's secondary can be exposed, but I don't know if Notre Dame's receivers, as young as they are, can expose them. Can take advantage of Right. So yeah. um, it, let's just say for, from a hypothetical standpoint, if this game were a – eight-point spread, I would take Notre Dame. Sure, 100%. I would agree with that. Um, but if 
at this point, I would, I would. I may even take Notre Dame if it was maybe even ten. Maybe I, I, I was thinking ten. I thought the line was going to come out at like eleven, mm-hmm. twelve and a half, something like that. It, sixteen and, caught and, me and off. You guard. mentioned that it, it went from sixteen to seventeen and a half in a very short amount of time. And typically, what that means is a lot of the sharp money is going on Notre Dame early. Yeah. Um, which you never really know. I mean, they build, so, build big buildings in Vegas for a reason. But yeah, I would agree with you. Virginia Tech's biggest weakness, while their defense and on the defensive side of the ball, so offensively they look a lot better under a new quarterback. It's like a brand new team, brand new play calling, and it's working a lot better on the defensive side of all Virginia Tech. They have gotten much better week in and week out from week one. That defensive line, as young as they are, is playing really good football. But their biggest weakness is that third-layer defense, the mm-hmm. deep safeties and strong safeties over the top. And um, they're really weak back there. And if Notre Dame could throw the ball or sling it around a lot more downfield, which they can but can't, I would be more scared that this would be a blowout. But what would you say Notre Dame's biggest weakness is that Virginia Tech could take advantage of? The biggest weakness I see Well, what's with... their biggest weakness in, in Notre Dame, other than not being able to throw the deep ball as much as they <laughs> Honestly, are? right now, in my opinion, it – is the offense as a whole, but I will, I will pin it more on Ian Book and Chip Long, the offensive coordinator, more so than the receivers or the offensive line or the running backs. They're they're young at running back. They don't have a whole lot of talent at running back at this point. They have a lot of talent coming in, um, but they're not here right now. Um, but right now, in my opinion, it's Ian Book. He's the biggest weakness of the offense because he is missing receivers. And it's just not the Michigan game in a monsoon. It has been a consistent problem throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you look at his stat line, right? It's and, and different you're like, season. You, you look at Ian Book's stat line, it's like, oh, that's not too bad. It, he, he, that's a good year. But whenever you actually look at the game and dissect the game to a certain extent, that stat line could be a hell of a lot better. And a lot of those stats were against a Bowling Green or, <clears throat> excuse me, against a Bowling Green or against a New Mexico. Um, that, and, you know, this is, a, this is a, a different animal. Against Power 5 teams, he just has not been good this year. Yeah, Plain and, and simple. And for those reasons, I would take Virginia Tech to keep it under 17 and a half. Um, I really do. Uh, at least I hope they can. So there's not going to be any action we're going to have a blast down there. We're going down up to South Bend, rather, for the game. It should be fun. My first experience in Notre Dame. Um, so it's good to see my Hokies. You know, I said when they went to Notre Dame a few years ago that I was going to go, but that was the same year they did the battle at Bristol against mm-hmm. Tennessee. And I said, I can't go to both of those. It's too much traveling. You actually went to that battle at Bristol game with me. Yeah, I went you? to the battle at Bristol, and I went out to the Notre Dame-Virginia Tech game. Yeah, you year. went to both that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also didn't go to a bunch of home games in between like I did for Tech. But I think I went to the UNC Tech game with you that year. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have fun. We're looking forward to it. I will not be setting in the same section with you. I'll be setting the tech section. I, I tend to lose my exposure, uh, not too much, but I need to be with my Hokies. So, but we'll drink before and after and have a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be. I think it's going to be a good game. I, I won't be surprised if it's a low scoring game. To be honest, um, it's going to be a cold, windy day. So, um, you Tech scoring thirty points a game. Notre Dame scoring thirty five point six. Um, on if you look at the statistical numbers, other than turnover margin. It looks like a pretty good matchup. I, I do think Notre Dame will win by a touchdown or a little more. But uh, if Hendon Hooker plays well and we don't turn over the ball, it could be closer than that. Who yeah. knows? If, if Virginia Tech can control the clock a little bit, I think they have a chance. Yeah. 
Yeah, control the clock, first downs, limit turnovers, the pressure's on tech in that regard. But that will conclude this podcast. Phil was your winner last week. He's not here to give us his two-minute drill, but I'll tell you what, kudos to Michigan. Sorry, Pat, for a big win and trying to turn their season around. We'll see you next week here at Cover 3U, the college football degenerates. Yeah.